what I had in mind today is going to segue so well into this idea of our Western culture that feels like like Christianity is about making things nice and easy for me and giving me a good life and all of that. And somehow we're insulated and isolated from all of the problems and it's because we're Christians and because we're believers, nothing wrong happens and nothing bad goes wrong. And, and if, if we can't preach the gospel and if we can't preach the word of God and what the Bible says about trials and tribulations anywhere in the world, then we shouldn't be preaching it here. And what I mean by that is, is if, if I were to get up and tell you that if you became a believer, that everything in your life was going to be just wonderful, and that you'd be, you, would, you would know why bad things happen, and, and you're going to live a life of comfort and ease, how does that translate in a third world country? It doesn't, because that's not the truth. The truth of the gospel, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but the truth of the gospel is not that you're free from trouble. The the beautiful thing about the gospel and the truth about the gospel is that God is with us in the midst of the trouble. And that will preach anywhere. And I think that when we see what's going on, I don't know what God has in mind for you, but I think we should all wrestle with what does God want to do in my life? And I think you need people who are willing to go, like the halls. I think you need people who are willing to pray and support and give. It takes it, takes it all. But I just want to encourage you to at least struggle with that possibility and ask yourself and ask God, what is my role in your kingdom? Why, why am I here? And you're not here to work that job and buy that car. You're here because that's a means to an end. All of that is to accomplish the work of his kingdom. So the third week in our series of misunderstood, where we're talking about misused, misinterpreted, misquoted, and misapplied verses of the Bible, is another one of those sweet verses that just, I love to read it, and I've used it before to make people feel really good. I see it on people's refrigerator magnets. I see it on bumper stickers. I see it crocheted in grandmama's pillows. All right. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says this, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Doesn't that make you feel good? That God has these wonderful thoughts towards us, and he just wants what brings us peace in our lives. And you look at me saying, Eric, don't ruin this one for me. This is a really great verse, Eric. Don't ruin this. I'm not. I'm going to reframe it for you. And I believe that when we're done today, you're going to appreciate this verse on a totally different level. Because the truth of the matter is, a verse like this wasn't even written to you. If we look at the context of the verse, and if you remember, that's very important to take a look at the context of the verse. What we find in Jeremiah 29 is that the people of Israel have been disobedient to God. And they have been um, uh, worshiping false gods. And they've turned from worshiping their God. And so God allows them to be taken captive by the Babylonians. 
Now, interestingly, in, verse, in chapter 28, there was a prophet called Hananiah, and Hananiah prophesied good news to the people of Israel. And he said, guess what? God has told me that this whole affliction is only going to last for two years, and then we're going to get to go back to Jerusalem. He was a false prophet. And Jeremiah called him out and said, folks, that's not what God said. Let me tell you what God did say. And in verse 1 of chapter 29, he lets them know that this is going to take 70 years. You're going to be in captivity for 70 years. By the way, Hananiah died six months later. And his good news that he was trying to encourage them with never came true. Because Jeremiah comes up with good news, but it didn't seem like it. He said to the elders of Israel, you're going to be here for 70 years. Now, what that means is that they're going to die and not see God's hand move. But when we read Scripture, we tend to assume that you means me, right? So you read a verse like this, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, and you apply that to yourself. And I'm not saying we can't apply truth. I'm saying that when we look at a verse like this, we have to understand that sometimes we means them. Randall gave me this phrase years ago, that all the Bible is written for us, but not all the Bible is written to us. And I know you think that's heretical. That's why I said Randall said it. Because <laughs> he's got nothing to lose. But Randall said that all the Bible was written for us, so we can gain benefit from every word that appears in the Bible. There's benefit that we can draw out of that. But as we read through it, we have to realize that that really wasn't written to us. I was not a captive in Babylon for 70 years. Now, does that mean I can't benefit from that? Of course not. It just means that I can take truth out of it, but it wasn't necessarily directed towards me. So with all of this background in mind, it kind of makes the verse feel a little different. So I have these wonderful thoughts towards you, thoughts of peace, good things are going to happen to you later, because for 70 years, you're going to be in captivity And that 70 years is going to be so long that you're going to die and you're not going to see all the good things that I have in store for you. How is that an encouraging verse? To make you feel even better, let me give you a couple verses in the New Testament that were actually written to you and I. So the first one is this, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Paul is writing to his protege, his disciple, his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says this, he said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall get the best parking space at Walmart. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Help me have a good parking space. No, it says, All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Yay. That's why he put yay at the front of that verse, you know. Same author, Paul, writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 says, For unto you is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, 
but also to suffer for his sake. I think I have those verses, don't I, Chris? What we want is a God that gives us joy without pain. Because we feel like good news, the good news of the gospel is no trouble. We want a God that gives us joy without pain. We want a God who gives us holiness without trials. And we want a God who gives us prosperity without suffering. But folks, here's the good news. The good news of the gospel is not that God will save us from troubles, but that he has saved us from our sins. That's the big deal. Thanks, Paul. Paul was here at the early service, so he knows what I was expecting right there. <laughs> he cheated. So, again, I mean, think about this. When I, when I, see, I bold printed that, and I, and I italicized it, and then I highlighted it. Because that's a big deal to me. The good news of the gospel is not that we're not going to have any troubles. It's that he has saved us from our sin. That's the good news of the gospel. Thanks again, Paul. (laughs) I would expect this slower response from the 9 o'clock crowd. But you've had opportunity for two cups of coffee this morning. So please understand that let's let's look at the perspective here. But, he, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, in our Western culture, in this westernized Christianity, our version of good news is not the same as the rest of the world's version of good news. Because for many of us, Christianity and doing right thing and showing up for church every Sunday and giving and serving means a life without any difficulties and not any troubles. And You know that's not right. Because if I gave each one of you a piece of paper and a pen, you could tell me of some crap that's going on in your life right now. Something that is going on in your life that stinks and doesn't make any sense to you and you just don't understand why. But the truth of Scripture is universal. It ought to be for everyone. And how do we preach a gospel of ease and prosperity to kids who live on the street. How do we preach this this good news gospel of ease and prosperity to a refugee or an earthquake victim? How do we do that? Well, because we don't preach a gospel of ease and we don't preach a gospel of prosperity. What we preach is that God is present in the midst of our trials, and in the midst of our troubles. That's the good news. The real message here is that, first of all, God is good. God is good. Now, just because it doesn't add up for you right now doesn't mean God is not good. Can we understand that? Just because you think this is how God ought to work, doesn't mean that God's not being good. Because I'm Eric, he's God, I don't get everything that he's doing, and I have this God box that God fits in for me that I can understand and explain everything. Sometimes he doesn't fit in my God box. He does things outside of my God box that I just, I got nothing. I don't understand why. I met with somebody yesterday, good friend, 
going through a very difficult time, and I had nothing encouraging to say about his circumstances. I had a lot encouraging to say about God, but I could not do anything to lift what he's going through other than share the load. And sometimes just, but, but God is still good. It's also good that we're on his mind. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says God, right? That means he's thinking about us. And we don't even know it. But he's formulating a plan. He's working in our lives. He is working on our behalf through our troubles and through our trials. And he hears and answers prayer. Isn't that a good thing? That he hears it. Yeah, but he may not answer the way you like. Or he may not answer it when you like. But the beautiful thing about this is when there's a cancer diagnosis, there is hope. When papers have been served, he has a plan. And whatever it is that's going on in our life, God knows and God's working. Because we have to be careful because the trouble is not the issue, right? Whatever trouble you're going through is not the issue. It's your relationship with God that is the issue. And so take whatever it is that you're going through. So you're an Israelite. You're in Babylon. You know you're going to be there for a while. This is not what you're going to, what you're, what you were looking to do with your life. I love what it says prior to these verses at the beginning of verse 20, chapter 29. He says, listen, make yourself at home, people. Build your some houses. Plow the fields. Start vineyards. Grow a garden and raise animals and tell your kids to go ahead and get married and have babies because you're going to be here for a while. That's what Jeremiah said that God said. You're going to be here for a while in the midst of this country that you don't want to be. And when we take a snapshot of our life and we say, I don't like what I'm going through right now, we make the mistake of thinking this is what God is like and this is what my life is like. But it's like when you hit pause on the DVR and someone's got that funny looking expression. Right at the wrong moment, right? You hit pause and everything stops. That's how we look at our lives when we go through troubled times. But God sees the whole picture. It's a, your life is a movie, not a snapshot. So 70 years for them was a long time, but God was saying, I know you're going through difficulties right now, but I'm seeing the end result here. I'm seeing the whole picture, not just a short snapshot. We have an entire lifetime to serve God and for God to work this out. Because here's the truth. We want God to focus on our difficulty. God, look at me. Take this away. Make it better. Fix this sooner than later. And we feel like that's what Christianity is all about, so that God fixes problems. God uses problems because God wants us to focus on him. He is more interested in our relationship with him than what we're going through. 
God says, I can give you the peace that you need in this storm. I can give you the strength to bear the burden. I'm not taking it away right now. I'm giving you what you need to bear what you are going through. I have whatever you need. Whatever it is you need, I am. I am that fill in the blank. The truth in the verse is still there. God does have good thoughts towards you. God does have peaceful thoughts towards you. But as a believer in Christ who lives in the real world, can I encourage you to look at the relationship with God as being the primary thing in the midst of your difficulty? And I would think this, that when you begin to focus on what is the most important thing in the trials and the tribulations and the hardships that you're going through, becomes secondary. And now God is not a genie in a bottle that you just get to do nice things for you so your life is easy. God is your friend and God is your father and you have a relationship with him that gets you through whatever you're going through. That's our word of prayer. And Father, I, I don't relish the times where we have difficulties and I don't like going through trials and I don't like trouble in my life and I don't like hardship, but I love you. And so as we read a verse of scripture like this, help us to see your heart and the relationship that you're longing for. And as we go through our difficult times, help us to focus on you and build that relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.